Welcome to the OrthoClubs podcast. I'm Saqib Brahman, and today I'm here with Dr. Teresa Pazionis, Assistant Professor of Orthopedic Surgery. She's an orthopedic spine surgeon here at Temple University. Thanks for doing the podcast. Thanks for having me, Dr. Rahman. So we're going to talk about percutaneous versus open thoracolumbar surgery in orthopedic trauma cases, meaning patients who come in with fractures that require spine surgery. Uh, we're seeing a lot more percutaneous procedures. Of course, open procedures um, are done a lot as well. And uh, I'm just curious if you could maybe start off just describing the general differences in techniques. Of course. So percutaneous surgery is becoming more popular because we, we do note that patients have a little bit of a shorter recovery time with that. For open surgery, it's the standard of care, and that's what's been happening for many years. Practically, open surgery involves a long incision in the back uh, along the spinous process and then dissecting downwards towards the lamina and the transverse processes, decorticating the joints, and proceeding to instrument by inserting pedicle screws and decompressing as appropriate. This is oftentimes thought to be a little bit better um, because we are able to decorticate the joints uh, more effectively, bone graft more effectively, and it's oftentimes thought to lead to a better fusion mass. For minimally invasive techniques, there's a shorter operative time. Generally, there is more radiation to both the patient and the surgeon. The patient is still positioned prone. Neuromonitoring is still used. The only practical difference is you're not opening the skin along the midline. You're oftentimes making several small stab incisions along the paths of the pedicle screw trajectory. Uh, critics of uh, this technique uh, are oftentimes people who feel that the fusion mass is not as effective because people don't decorticate the joints as effectively or bone grafting isn't as complete as it would be with an open technique. Okay. Um, so I guess that's pretty much the basics. So beyond that, what do we know from the literature? Um, if you were to kind of explain this to you know, a resident or someone who's asking, uh, what does the data show for percutaneous versus open um, surgery in these trauma cases? What, what, is it, what does the literature show? There was a very good uh, meta-analysis, open versus minimally invasive fixation techniques for thoracolumbar trauma uh, that was published in 2016 by Stephen McEnany out of Mount Sinai Hospital. And it looks at several articles that uh, discuss open versus percutaneous techniques. Uh, essentially, uh, the findings of the study show that Patients with thoracolumbar fractures can be effectively managed with percutaneous or open pedicle screw placements, but there are differences uh, that are noted in blood loss and operative time, which are decreased in the percutaneous group, which may be really beneficial for the polytrauma patient. There aren't any differences in vertebral body height restoration, kyphosis angle, or postoperative midterm VAS scores between the two groups. That being said, a lot of the critique of this study has been that it, it's uh, dependent on the surgeon learning curve. So in centers where minimally invasive techniques aren't used as um, effectively or which aren't the primary mode of care for a lot of non-trauma cases, certainly there can be uh, learning curve difficulties, increased incidence of misplaced screws, uh, and so on and so forth. With the advent of navigation, with really good navigation technologies, either with O-arm or with robotics, however, we're seeing a decreased incidence of that, and it's really becoming more user-friendly and more patient-friendly in terms of decreased radiation load. So I do think that in the future, we are going to be seeing more minimally invasive cases as those technologies evolve and as uh, surgeons become 
trained primarily on those modalities as residents? I guess maybe just going back to the my question about the basic differences in techniques, then are, uh, are navigation techniques kind of as a rule used more frequently or is that technology more ubiquitous when you're going minimally invasive? I mean, that would intuitively seem to be the case, I would think, but I don't, it's not a procedure I do. Uh, so is navigation tied more into the minimally invasive method? So surgeons are more using minimally invasive uh, with navigation because that's really the only way to do it. You can use it either either with navigation or with biplanar fluoroscopy. Um, but biplanar fluoroscopy is really a huge radiation load to both the patient and the surgeon, uh, which can be avoided if you have appropriate navigation. Um, with open techniques, certainly you can put it in a freehand screw, and that is very effective. That's considered to be completely uh, standard of care. However, you're not going to be able to know where you're going in a minimally invasive technique without either fluoroscopy or with navigation. Generally, what I do is I do use uh, navigation technology to at least confirm my screw placement for open techniques. So we have arrow available at our facility. Uh, essentially, what I'll do is I'll place in the screws, either navigation or freehand, and then do a spin of the arrow to confirm to make sure that I don't have any misplaced screws. And uh, then adjust appropriately. Uh, screw stimulation is also used to ensure that we have appropriate screw placement. Essentially what you do is you work with your neuromonitoring team, you place a probe into your screw itself and then they're able to stimulate the screw. If the stimulation is above eight, okay, that's the, the lower threshold, uh, generally it's thought to have a good impedance and a good bony bridge surrounding it. Generally the screws do stimulate to 20, 30 uh, routinely above that. So if you're really having a low stimulated screw, you may want to confirm your placement either on fluoroscopy or on uh, CT navigation. Okay, great. Um, I would imagine a lot of places that um, don't have uh, navigation, maybe uh, those sur <laughs> the surgeons there may be making a push to get navigation so that they can do uh, minimally invasive techniques, in, in, just like in a lot of other uh, instances in uh, orthopedic um, computer-assisted surgery and uh, robotic surgery. I mean, I guess it's one more thing that you can say you can do at your center um, if you can get navigation. So that's, that's pretty cool. Uh, you know, I'm sure there's uh, controversy here uh, to some extent, with, as with any uh, newer techniques and, you know, minimally invasive versus open. It's something that uh, is seen in a lot of other fields uh, in, or in orthopedic surgery and surgery in general. But what would you say beyond the controversy? What are some really clear indications for one technique versus the other? Like, give me an example of a case that even a minimally invasive person is going to say, yeah, I'm doing that open, or vice versa. A case that someone who really likes to do open is like, geez, I just, you know, this is one that this patient's definitely going to do better if we just go minimally invasive. Open surgery generally is, is better if you have a really large decompression that needs to be done. So let's just say you have a large kyphosis that you have to do a laminectomy over a few levels. At that point, it would actually compromise the skin bridge to go minimally invasively and then open. So you can do a partial hybrid kind of technology uh, or technique rather, uh, where you do the laminectomies, do your decompression, uh, insert your cages as, as required, and then open up approximately and distally in a minimally invasive fashion. But generally, if you're going to be making a large midline incision for some other reason, mostly decompressive, 
you're going to want to use a non-minimally invasive technique and just stay with the one incision. Uh, if a patient needs to get off the table quickly and you're slightly less concerned about the decompression and you more just need a rapid stabilization, uh, there is significantly less soft tissue dissection involved with minimally invasive technique. And if you have the appropriate technology available at your center and if it's something that you're comfortable with, putting in minimally invasive screws and you know, turning the patient, uh, sending them embolization, uh, dealing with the rest of the polytrauma issues, uh, et cetera, it's, it's going to be preferable. Okay. Um, so what are your preferences? What would you say um, in general is your approach to the patient with an unstable fracture that needs surgery? Um, and then how do you incorporate everything we just talked about and how you approach a patient? I generally do a hybrid technique. So if I need to do either a cage or a decompression at the level of, uh, let's just say, a thoracolumbar burst, um, I will do an open technique locally at the fracture site, decompress. Um, you can place a cage either through a hybrid sort of posterior lateral approach or sometimes you have to go anterior. But depending on what the fracture pathology is, if I just need to decompress, I'll decompress and I'll do that through a small midline incision. Generally, I do feel that there is a, a benefit to going minimally invasive uh, in patients who are able to do that. Uh, I'll use uh, aero navigation or fluoroscopy to place minimally invasive screws both proximally and distally. Generally, a minimum two levels above and two levels below is what uh, is considered optimal, um, sometimes three. The key uh, factors are that you really want to restore your kyphosis angle. Okay, You don't want to leave the patient uh, kyphotic, and you want to make sure that your neural elements are decompressed. From a fusion standpoint, uh, I will do a little bit more than a lot of surgeons will, and that's, I, I trained as an open surgeon. My fellowship was uh, very um, heavy on making sure that we also honored the biologics of spine surgery. So decorticating joints, uh, placing effective bone graft, et cetera. You can do that through minimally invasive technique. Generally, what I'll do first is uh, before I place my screw hole, I will uh, do some decortication of the joint using the burr. Uh, and then attempt to pack bone graft in underneath the uh, the rod before I pass it. So I do bone graft and I do decorticate joints as well with minimally invasive technique. It's a fusion as well as an instrumentation. So as long as you're cognizant of that, uh, you're going to have a good outcome. Great. Maybe um, since we got a couple of minutes, maybe just one last question, just in, with regard to complications. Um, are the complication profile... Um, Profiles particularly different between um, minimally invasive and open? I mean, I could imagine there's a few things that are probably a little bit different and some stuff that is common to both. But uh, like if you're, if you're talking to a patient, perhaps, uh, and both options are on the table um, for that particular case, how do you tell your uh, patients, for instance, what's the, uh, you know, how the complications differ or as far as we know? So there is a slightly uh, higher incidence. So for example, if you look at uh, studies that look at minimally invasive versus open T-lift, which isn't the trauma case, but we actually do have fairly good literature on that. Um, there's a uh, better recovery immediately in the post-operative period, uh, lower VAS scores, et cetera, but there is a high, slightly higher readmission rate and reoperation rate with minimally invasive surgery. Uh, that's more because of non-unions, because people don't uh, honor the bone grafting principles. People may not take down joints as uh, as effectively as they would have if it was an open case. But generally, if you're really cognizant of what your complications are, minimally invasive surgery is very effective for patients and they do very well with it. 
Um, for the polytrauma patient, uh, essentially they're going to have pain, unfortunately, either way, and it's important that you appropriately treat it uh, with your uh, either ITU team or with your post-operative pain team. Um, essentially, most of their pain is going to be secondary to the fracture itself, and they'll actually feel better once it's stabilized. Uh, minimally invasive surgery isn't something that involves no soft tissue dissection. It's uh, slightly less uh, cuts in the skin. The cuts are different and there's less muscular dissection. However, you are still passing rods through the paraspinal musculature and that can still be quite tender for patients. So practically in the long term for the trauma patients, uh, once they've recovered from their, their trauma in general, uh, there, there aren't really significant differences as long as you're doing the fusions effectively. If you are not fusing patients and if you're simply instrumenting them with a minimally invasive technique, then yes, they are going to have a higher rate of complications, non-unions, and so on. And in fact, I, I have several patients who I've had to revise for that who've come to my office secondarily with um, you know, hardware removed and, and so on and so forth from outside centers. So that does happen. All right, great. Um, and I think that's going to pretty much wrap it up for our uh, discussion here on percutaneous versus open thoracolumbar. Surgery for Trauma with uh, Dr. Pazionis. Thank you. Thank you so much.